This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about God's way to always have fresh anointing. How many like to have fresh anointing? Amen. Well, I want you to look at Psalms 92, verse 10. Psalms 92, verse 10. The Whistler. <laughs> uh, Alex, I thought that was Jesse all those years till you told me. It was Alex all the time. Amen. The Whistler's anointing. <laughs> okay, Psalms 92, verse 10. And, you know, every, everything... Everything I do, everything I, I preach, teach, and talk about, I always like to be able to have you open your Bibles and sit with your eyes. It's so good to be able to sit in the Word of God. You know, it's one thing to sit on a screen. It's one thing just to be able to sit and stare and just listen to something. But it means to me, ever since I got born again, to me, it's always done something special right inside of my heart to look at the Bible. When I sit in the Bible, it just seems like it absolutely speaks that much louder to me and that much clearer. But Psalms 92 verse 10 says, But my horn shall shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. And you probably got a different translation. That talks about your strength, being strengthened like a big ox, <clears throat> like a big bull or something, receiving strength. How is that? I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Anointed with fresh oil. And, and that, that's symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when we talk about the anointing, we're talking about the presence of Jesus. We're talking about the presence of Jesus. Dr. Barclay always says, the anointing of God is the presence of Jesus. How many, how many would agree that when His holy anointing is on you, you're more conscious of Him? And you know Jesus is in the place. You know, when we're in a church service and things are happening, and you know, preacher or somebody says something, but man, God's in this place. Well, you can tell that. Not because you feel good, but the anointing's on you. And that makes you feel good. And you know it was the anointing that was Jesus. But then there's another another part of the anointing too. And you don't have to look this up, but you write it down if you want to. Isaiah 10.27. Isaiah 10.27 says that the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. You know that sometimes... Life is going just great. And for some reason, you start feeling depressed and feeling bad and feeling lost and feeling like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, Pastor, will you pray for me? I don't know why. I just, man, something just on me. I just, I, I don't know. There's no reason, but I just feel depressed lately. I just feel, I just feel like there's a dark cloud on me. Well, that's because there is a dark cloud on you. The enemy comes to try to put things on you for no reason. Everything's going great. And you ought, you ought to be happy. You ought to be glad. And everything's going good. Just all of a sudden, man, just, man, every day for a while you're getting up, you just feel sad. You just feel, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Well, the anointing removes that yoke. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. And sometimes it just takes the presence of Jesus to get that off of you. And I'm just looking right here at what the psalmist said. He said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And so I, I want to <clears throat> show you to me one thing I've learned that helps me to stay anointed 
with fresh oil. I want you to look at Proverbs 11.25. Proverbs 11.25. And, uh, you know, I get ready to celebrate a 70th birthday, so people that uh, some of the older people are aware of, that I, I talk about now, some of you never heard of. But anyway, one of the great generals of the last century, Dr. Lester Summerall, was someone we sat under. And uh, matter of fact, he was one of my Bible school teachers. We, we got to go to a lot of meetings up at his church. But Dr. Summerall talked about Proverbs 11:25, and this is probably 35, 40 years ago when I when I first saw this verse through him, the way he taught it, has always helped me to be able to receive fresh anointing from Jesus. Proverbs 11:25 says, "The liberal soul." shall be made fat. And this last part of the verse, I want you to get a hold of this. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. And so what he's talking about there is that the anointing will water you <clears throat> and refresh you. I was kind of praying, you know, when I was praying a minute ago, I was talking about that. That you get refreshed by the anointing. And that's like water. Remember, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He said, the new birth is like a well of water in you, springing up to everlasting life. And so what he says that when you water someone else, you water yourself. Well, Dr. Summerall said this, and I've always practiced this. He said, if you're going through a dry season, and believe it or not, the big guys, little guys, all the guys, all the gals, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much Bible you know, sometimes dryness tries to be on you. In other words, you get up to read your Bible and pray. I go through this. Everybody does. And you try to read your Bible and pray, and you just feel like you're beating your head against the wall. Think, man, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting anything. I just read my Bible for ten minutes. So I, I'm going to go outside and do something. I just, don't want, I just don't want to do this today. Well, when you come to those seasons... And that tries to happen. I've learned this secret. I pray and I say, Lord, show me somebody needs water today. And Dr. Summerall made this statement and I found it to be true. Every time I water somebody else, I get watered. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the reason that I started thinking about preaching on this tonight I, 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 I encouraged a couple of people by text the last couple of days. And as I encouraged them, that I got feedback back. Oh, pastor, I need to hear that. Oh, that, that helped me so much. And it wasn't necessary that even thinking about them so much. Just thought, man, I'm just thinking about them, you know, in a, just a thought. I'm, I see this verse and this verse jumps off at me. And I think about them. I'm just going to send this verse to them. Send a simple little, simple text. Hey, I was thinking about you. I saw this verse. And I just want to tell you, and then whatever it was I said. And then get feedback later on, man. Oh, oh boy, I needed that, I needed that, I needed that. Oh, that helped me, that lifted me up. That, oh boy, did I need that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And today, I was thinking about one of our leaders. And I'm thinking, man, I, I just want to send them a text and encourage them. And when I got I got the text back, said, Pastor, you have no idea what all I've been going through. said, it was so rough. I didn't even want to get out of bed and face the day today, but said the only reason I could, I thought about you, and all I've seen you go through over the years, you didn't quit. Amen. And said, said, because I knew that my spiritual daddy didn't quit, 
And that's what the first called me, spiritual daddy. Because my spiritual daddy didn't quit. I know what to do to keep on going. And that's what I keep on doing because I've watched you. And so what I'm telling you is this. That was all off a simple little text message that stirred things up. And, and so I know that we as believers are connected one to another. First Corinthians chapter 12 says we're, we're the body of Christ. Said we have need one to one of another. <clears throat> Said we're not all an eye. We're not all an ear. We're not all an arm. We're all different parts. But you know, when I preach, I don't know if you notice it, but as I'm talking, I'm realizing my hands are preaching. I don't know what I'd do if I had to have my hands behind me and preach. That might stop me. I might say, nope. Gotta have the hands. I can't preach about the hands. And so hands help me preach for some reason. But I think about you. Some of you are hands, and somebody needs your hands. And by that I mean they need the words from your personality to pop them a text sometimes. You know, I know that uh, in this modern technology age, I'll say that that way. In this age we live in electronics, back in, back in the old days, I really didn't want to... Do a lot of talking to people because once you call somebody on the telephone, sometimes you lose the anointing you've got because you get a conversation. You go on for a while. But a text message is so simple. You're sitting there, and and probably most people have their phone laid right there anyway, and they're doing other things while they're reading the Bible. But somebody's face flashed across your screen. I talk about your, you know, your your inside. You think about it, and think, wow, just pop off a text. Hey, I want to tell you. I think about you today. It's that little prayer. And I'm praying for you today. I want to let you know you're not by yourself. We're with you. We're helping you. And you know, if you think about a verse, put a verse in there. And do something to encourage them. And what are you doing? You're watering somebody. And then if your days come that you do need water, somebody's going to send you a text. You know, I was was thinking about 2018. In 2018, that was the darkest year of my life. You know, on January the 1st, 2018... I was diagnosed with stage 4 blood cancer. Said that my blood had 70% cancer in it, so that means there wasn't a lot of blood doing anything good. But during that whole year, when I went through things I went through, Reverend Tony Cook called me or texted me at least once or twice a week, nearly every week of that year. He would he would, he would text me and say, I want to let you know, uh, Bernie, I'm sitting in the airport in Beirut, Lebanon. He did that before. He called me from there. So I'm sitting in the airport in Beirut, Lebanon, getting ready to take off. And so I just want to give you a quick call and say hi. Or he'd, 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 he'd give me one and say, you know what? I'm on the border of Iraq. I just got to preach in some, in some Muslim areas here in Iraq with the blessing of God and be able to help people. And before I take off, I want to give you a call see, how you doing today? What's that chemo doing? You, you handling that okay? What's happening? And things like that. And, you know, I think about that to this day. That's helped me. I got a fellow preacher now that's going through chemotherapy down in Southern California. And once a week, I call him and I say, how are you doing? What's going on? And I said, you know what? I can tell you this. I know the end result is by Jesus stripes you were healed. You're coming through this. And that's just what we need to do. We need to be helping each other. And you know what? When you when you think about somebody else, you're not thinking about yourself. And, you know, that's where most, that's where most of your depression and downfalls come from. You're thinking about you. 
And then your your your, your ex-boyfriend, the devil, comes up and gets on your shoulder. And he says, woe is me. What am I going to do? Nobody cares. What's the use? Nobody likes me. What am I going to do? I don't think anybody at church talked to me Sunday. When the preacher was preaching on Wednesday night, he was looking right at me and everybody knew it. Anybody ever get those thoughts? That stupid stuff comes to you, just all kinds of whatever it is, dumb stuff puts on you, or maybe, or maybe says something to you that you're going through, because the Holy Ghost had him say that while he was preaching, but that very thing you just told somebody else this week, and the devil told you, they've got a big mouth, they went and told him. Now the Holy Ghost has a love and concern for you, and the Holy Ghost told him. And the Holy Ghost had him say some things, and then you're thinking, wow, he was talking right to me. That whole sermon around me, and with the right heart and the right attitude, you're thinking, thank you, Jesus, that you gave him those words that helped me come out of that hole. Amen? Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen? That's, that's the way this thing works anyway. If, if you don't already do things like this, start making yourself an adjustment in your life and start sending some text out every once in a while, not complaining about politics. Or did you hear what so-and-so said? Tell them what Jesus said. And tell them how much you love them. And so anyway, when you water others, you're watered yourself. And this always works because it's a Bible principle. Anybody ever heard you reap what you sow? If you're, if you're sowing encouraging words and blessing, guess what you're going to receive? If you're sowing criticism and putting down on people, guess what's going to happen in your life? Glory to God. I'll tell you what. I like fresh anointing. I like to stay fresh. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, verse 24. says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Sweet to the soul, and that, that would be your mind, will, and emotions. Pleasant words are sweet to your soul. They soothe. They comfort. They bring peace. But this has that health to your bones. And you know, I learned back when my son David had leukemia when he was little. Then when I went through the cancer stuff, the Bible talks a lot, especially the book of Proverbs, about your bones and health puts them together, that your bone marrow is where cells are produced at. If you have healthy bones, that's because your marrow is healthy. If your bone marrow is healthy, that means cancerous cells won't come out of them. You know, back, back, back until when David got cancer, got leukemia, that's the first time I learned about that. But your, your cells, that's why when you, they check you for cancer and things, they give you a spinal tap. Cause right down there in your spine is where the bone marrow is. That's where cells start from. And that's the first place they're going to see if there's healthy cells or cancer cells in your bones. And so he says right there that those encouraging words 
cause your bones to do good. And I think about Tony Cook and Dr. Barclay. Dr. Barclay called me a lot. I think about when I was going through those things there. Every time I'd see that caller ID, and you know, the old days are over where you got to say, hello, who is this? We know who it is before we answer. It's so nice and don't be shocked when you call somebody and they call you by name because that's the way it is. But anyway, when I see that Dr. Barclay cell on there, or Tony Cook calling, boy, I'll tell you what, no matter how bad I felt at the time, I lit up. And no matter what they would say to me, it just spoke life into me. And, you know, I think about some of the people in the church right now. I think, think about an, another man going through some things. I like calling him and just to say hi to him because I know that I'm a spiritual dad. As a spiritual dad, I know that means something. When I call him, he knows I thought about him, took the time to call him, see how he's doing. But we all got to know that somebody looks up to you. And, you know, even if you're looking down on yourself, God thinks you're valuable. And whether we know it or not, we are valuable. We got the Spirit of God in us, and we may not all be Bible teachers, and, you know, I think about the different personalities of the church. You know, I think about sometimes I tease Robert. Robert doesn't have the same gifting I do. Robert is gifted to make a lot of things work in a lot of places. Sometimes I say, hey, Robert, you want to preach Wednesday night? No. Well, if he said, Pastor, you want to preach Wednesday night? I'd say no. But I tell you what, Robert is a one-on-oneer. He's a good one-on-oneer. He's an encourager. He's an exhorter. And I know it's not just with church people, it's people on his job and everywhere else. And you are too. You are too. And you know what? It doesn't take a lot of super spirituality because everybody texts anyway. It doesn't take a whole lot just to send a quick text to somebody and a scripture and you make their day and you change things. And who knows what they might be going through right then? God does. And so I know there's, there's two times I text people. Number one, when God puts them on my heart. And number two, when he doesn't. You know why? What what kind of trouble are you going to get in with God because you sent somebody a text and said, you know what? I was reading the Bible today how much Jesus loves us, and I was thinking about you. And you're special. Jesus loves you. And not only that, but I want to tell you what, me and my family love you too. And it was so good to see you at church Sunday. Sorry we didn't get to talk. But I saw you and I wanted to get to you, but by the time I got back there, you were already gone or I had to rush out because we had, I had things to do. I want to tell you, I saw you and I wasn't ignoring you. I just didn't have a chance to talk to you. And boy, I tell you what, those things mean so much. Does anybody get anything out of this? Hey, Amen. We are all connected one to another. We are hooked up. We're like a chain that can't be broken because we are God's people and God joined us together in this church. But even if it's somebody doesn't go to this church, I'm talking because we're all here in this church tonight, even other people, your family members and other people. But uh, God wants us to be peacemakers. Amen. To reach out. And, and I want to say it again. If you've ever been hit with wrong thoughts about people and things like that, then it, 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 it goes unsaid. That other church members are hit with wrong thoughts. Because we're on this thing together. It's the same spiritual warfare. And so we need to know that even if you think somebody's doing okay and all of a sudden you think about them, they may not be doing okay. It's time to help them. 
And something we got to always remember, if there wasn't any devil, we wouldn't have any battle. We don't focus on demons, but we don't ignore them either. They're out there. It says, Satan as a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. And so we, we as brothers and sisters in the Lord have got to recognize we all need to be conscious of other people. That's why I said, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Well, when I was praying about what to preach, God told me to talk about this. That's why I'm talking about we need to, we need to be conscious of others to be able to help them. Now look at Ephesians 4.29. And my pastor that I had for years and years, when I first got saved, he was my pastor who went to heaven. He was my pastor for like, what, from uh, 1980 to went to heaven in 1993. So I guess 13 years. Ephesians 4.29, it seemed to me but like was his favorite verse because I heard him quote it all the time. He prayed it all the time. And he talked about it all the time. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that may minister grace unto others. Let no corrupt communication. That means don't be a put-downer. Be a builder-upper. Don't be negative. If you're going to be a griper or a whiner, you're helping nobody. <clears throat> he says... But that which is good to use of edifying. Well, edifying means to build up. Edifying means to build up. And, you know, I, th- I think about, you know, natural things. You know, sometimes people don't feel, don't think they look very good. <clears throat> you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, Ilea, like I, I think I told you Sunday, whatever you was wearing Sunday thing, Ilea, I said, I said, you look really good in that whatever you was wearing up there when you were saying it. I said, man, you look good and you sing good and you really helped us. And I wasn't saying that just to say something. I looked up there. I thought, man, she's up there singing like an angel. She looks so good up there and so pretty. I tell you what, women need to hear they're pretty. I'm not talking about men hitting on women. I'm talking about men letting women know when they look nice and what they wear and how they do their hair and stuff, but not in a bad way, in a good way. And you know, Men like to hear that they're handsome too. And you know what I'm saying? They say, you know, I'm saying out of Christian love because people need to know because the devil wants girls to think they're ugly. That wants men to think that they don't look good like, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to build people up and let them know. And you know, I, I think about, you know, Ilea and the Sagan. Well, of course, Katie and all the rest of the Sagan girls and the guys that play the instruments and all they do. We need to let the praise team know sometimes, Josh, you know what, you really shined tonight. That was good. You, you brought the anointing in, and you gave glory to God tonight. Amen. They need to know those things. You know, I think about the different people serving the church. It's, it's really good to let the nursery workers know, I'm so glad you take care of our babies. I'm so glad that you did what you did because, you know, maybe, maybe a baby's been having a hard time cutting teeth or something like that. And somebody's sitting up there rocking that baby and soothing him and praying over him so the mom and the dad can be down here hearing the word of God and being blessed. But we need, to, we need to speak words of encouragement. That's what it says. That which is good use of edified to build people up. My pastor, my pastor used to always point this out. 
He said, who's the first one that always hears your words? You are. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that's good to use to edify. So the, who's the first one that's going to be built up when you're speaking positive? You are. And so if you're all the time a put-downer at a negative person, at a mean-spirited person, then that's why you're going to walk around with a frown all the time. That's why you're never going to feel good about anything, because if you're putting down on others, you're putting down on yourself. I'm going to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. But that gives us something to think about, doesn't it? About our words. Because we hear them everywhere. You know, I'm with my wife a lot, but I'm with me more. Everywhere I go, I can't get away from me. I can't get away from my mouth. If I'm in Walmart, if I'm at the gas station, no matter where I'm at, I always show up. It's the same thing about you. And so, you know, it's one thing to say good words at a church. But when you leave the church, sad to say or happy to say you're going with you. And, hey man, and then look at the last part of that verse. That may minister grace. That may minister grace. Did you know you're supposed to be a minister of grace? Your words are supposed to minister grace uh, to the hearers? And I want to say it again. You hear you more than anybody else does. Are you minister of grace when you talk? And you know, there's so many different definitions of grace. But uh, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the definitions of grace is God's willingness to use His power and His ability in your behalf even though you don't deserve it. The grace of God is something He gives us because He's good, not because we're so good. He gives us His grace. And you think about this verse, what it says, our words, our words release grace into the lives of people. Our words release power into the lives of people. And so, if we need more of God's ability in our life, it says our words that aren't corrupt communication, but edify words will release grace into our own lives. As we release grace in the lives of others, we're receiving grace ourselves, God's ability. And, and, and also, another definition God gave me years ago was grace is God backing you up and showing up to prove it. You know, long story short, when the Lord gave me that back when, back when I was a kid, uh, my brothers were all fighters. I wasn't a fighter. I was a lover. I mean, you know, we lived in the south side of Indianapolis and what is bad as the south side of Chicago at the time. But we had some pretty bad guys around and I was a good runner, but I wasn't a good stick around fighter. But my brothers were fighters. And so we had this bully one time that kept wanting to pick on me and my big brother found out about it. And so he told me, he said, said, go down there and get him, come out and come out of his house. He comes out of his house, I'll be hiding right here behind this telephone pole. And he comes out, man, I said, I'll take care of him. So I went past. And before I always ran from the guy, this way I walked back and forth past the backyard in the alley there till he come out. He came out like that, man. I 
gave him a signal that wasn't very good. And when he came out like that, my brother jumped out. And he was afraid of my brother, but he couldn't run because we had him cornered. And so when the Lord was teaching me this lesson years ago, he said, your brother was backing you up, and he showed up to prove it. And so God said, my grace in your life is this. Whether you're going through a job situation, court situation, whatever it is you're going in life, God said, you show up, and I'll back you up, and I'll show up to prove it. And so that always took the fear off of me of bad situations, challenging situations, because I always thought about what happened back in the south side of Indianapolis when I was a boy, that my brother showed up. And so I got a big brother. And when I'm facing stuff, I believe for the grace of God that my big brother is going to show up. He's going to prove that he's Lord of my life. Amen? And so we think about this grace. It says our words will release the grace of God. And, you know, you think about somebody getting ready to go through an operation, somebody getting ready to face a real serious court thing or something going on. You send them a text, say, you know what? I've been praying for you today. And Psalms 512 says you're surrounded with God's favor like a shield. When you go into that courtroom, just know this. You're not by yourself. God's with you. And I'm back here praying, too. You think that didn't release the grace of God on them to recognize they're going into the court there? Or whatever they're going into? That that didn't put some life into them and encourage them what God's going to do? Amen. I'm telling you what, we need to be builder-uppers. Not terror-downers, not put-downers. Amen. It's it, not, not, the, not the, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay home and hide my head and cry because I know you're going through a rough time. That helps nobody. Amen. And you know, it doesn't really do a lot of help just to say, I know what you're going through. It does help, though, to say, I know what you're going through because I went through it, and here's how God helped me through it. Amen. That's, that's how it works. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And these verses are so powerful because this really shows you the value of us helping one another by the words we speak. Hebrews 3, 12-14. I'll give you a chance to get there because these verses are really, really powerful. And they're a description of the way that Jesus set it up for us to help each other make it through life's battles. You know, I, I, I've never backslid. But I've known a lot of believers that have backslid. And I really believe through verses like this we're looking at, if we would live and practice within these three verses right here, I think we could prevent a lot of backsliding from church people. How many would like to see more people stay in the race and less people back off? So he says right here, Take heed, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That means walking away. Have you ever seen somebody? We all have. That one time they were fired up. They might have been the one that told you about Jesus, the one that led you to the Lord, the one that taught you Bible scriptures, and all of a sudden they're not here anymore. They might, you know, not, not necessarily went to the same church. Might have been a family member or somebody else you worked with, 
and all of a sudden they're back out in the world again. He says, take heed, lest you allow this stuff to get on you and depart from the living God. But Now look at this verse right here. This is a Bible verse. But exhort one another once a year. But exhort one another if you're having a good day. But exhort one another when? Daily, while it's called today. What's today called? This is today. So every day's today. We got tomorrow, we got yesterday, but what we're going to do tomorrow, we can't do yet, because tomorrow's not today. What we did yesterday, we can't do, because that's over with. But what we can do today, we can only do today. So what are we supposed to do today? Exhort one another. Every day. That means encourage. That means build people up. Every day, every day. It says, why? Let's if you be hardened through the what? Deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness of sin. You know, I've heard believers before going through a rough time talking about, you know what? I was better off when I was out in the world. When I was in the world, I had it better. I didn't have this pressure out in the world. Well, duh, the devil already had you. You didn't recognize the pressure. You get in the church, he puts the pressure on. Is that right? Hey, man, you don't have the pressure out there because you've you're, you're got so much bondage, so much weights on you. You don't even recognize what's going on because of that on you. But the only reason you feel pressure as a Christian is because you get in a place like this and you've got anointed on you and feel so good. You get out there in the world where you're surrounded by all kinds of negative things, all kinds of demon spirits, people that entertain demons and things like that. You get around that, no wonder you start feeling pressure. Man, when half the people you see say good morning, what's so good about it? Blank you, don't talk to me. I don't like you anyway. Just stay away. I might have to work with you. I might have to talk to you. You go through that kind of stuff out there every day, no wonder you feel pressure. What an encouraging thing it is on a job to have a fellow Christian. And let me tell you something else. I noticed back when I was a truck driver many years ago, it was a shameful thing when the sinners started picking on a Christian and other Christians jumped in and picked two. We ought to be helping each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other. And you know, somebody said, but they deserve to be picked on because of the way they acted. Or, you know, they, they, they did this or they did that. Oh, so you mean you were perfect all the time. You never did anything wrong since you've been a Christian. Especially if a Christian gets into sin. That's the time you need to exhort one another daily. And if we did more exhorting daily, he said, lest if you be hardened to deceitfulness of sin. If we had more Christians reaching out to other Christians on a regular basis, from what I see there, that's a good system God set up to get you out of sin. You know, I, I, I think I think about how this whole thing's worked. We're, we're in such a world of darkness, and as a Christian, maybe starting to entertain backsliding, or entertain thoughts of going back, 
or entertaining thoughts of, I just got to have a break. I got, I got to have a break from church. I just got to have a break from these church people. I just, I, I got to have a break. And about that time, a good Christian comes up to them, gives them a brother or sisterly hug, gives them a few good words. Say, hey man, you know what? We're all going to Del Taco night after church. You want to go too? They just thinking, man, I, I, I had an R-rated movie. I wanted to go watch the Del Taco Christians R-rated movie. I think I'll take the Del Taco. And you might have just turned somebody from going the wrong direction. And then they might be teaching a Sunday school class a few months from now because they stay on the right path. Amen? It says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. If we hold the beginning of our confidence. How many here have ever noticed sometimes your faith level's up Sometimes your faith level's down. Faith level's up, faith level's down. Did you ever notice cause and effect? That the times that you're in church more, the times you're in fellowship more, the times you stay with your Bible study plan you do, the times you stay with the Christian things and when the level's up, did you ever notice you're away from church people for a season? You don't open your Bible for a season? You back off of Christian things, that's when the level goes down. And so anyway, all I'm saying is this for us, if you want, if you want to keep a fresh anointing, that you don't just think about you, you think about other people, and if you're down, whether you feel spiritual or not, man, pop off a text to somebody. Give somebody a phone call. As you come to church, if you're feeling really down coming to church, make up your mind, you get out of the car, Put a smile on your face by faith. Walk up to somebody, shake their head, say, Maxine, it's so good to see you. You know what, Maxine, you always make my day. Every time I see you, I just tell you, you've been with Jesus. And I like to be around that kind of stuff. Amen? And so we as Christians, we as Christians, according to these verses right here, we can finish our race together with confidence, with faith, and with joy, if we not only keep our eyes on Jesus, but keep our eyes on other people too, and help them to be raised up. Amen. So every day, find someone to encourage, and when you need it, Jesus will always send a friend to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.